Ephesians chapter 5. Today we are going to uh, spend some time looking at this passage because I, and I've actually entitled this sermon, The Time is Now. Because in case you have not been paying attention, yes, the culture's gone mad, the world's gone mad, the world's gone crazy. Uh, at every turn and at every place, we pick up the newspaper, it seems like every day, we turn on the news, we go to a website, and it seems like more and more we're seeing things, hearing things, reading things that just don't make sense anymore, of a world that has gone crazy. I remember back 20, 30 years ago when my dad would stand at the old Thomas Road. He would make statements. He would make you know, comments about how the slippery slope and how we're heading in this wrong direction and, and what the country might look like. And I got to be honest with you, there are people in this room who heard him say that and in the back of their minds, they didn't say it out loud because they liked him, but in the back of their minds, they were sitting there saying, that will never happen here. It has happened and more. And today we live in a culture that has gone so far away from the truth of God's Word that the only hope we have, I firmly believe this, the only hope we have is if the church of Jesus Christ will stand up and speak out and do it in love. And so today, that's what I want to talk about from Ephesians chapter 5. I want to read this passage in just a moment to give us kind of an understanding of what it looks like, that there's never been a time where there's a more critical need for the church to be known as the church of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But before I dig into this passage, let me just give you some stats that I looked up this week, some information that I think it's important for us to recognize and understand of how critical, how vital this thing really is. And so this is some research that I, I did this week from uh, Lifeway and from uh, Harvard University and NPR. And just listen to these stats. You don't need to write them down. They're just some thoughts that, that, that I hope will kind of resonate with what we're about to talk about. The first one is this, that 63% of people in America today identify as Christians. 63%. Now, I've got to be honest with you, we sit back and we hear that comment, we hear that statistic. I've got to be honest with you, like, that's an opportunity for us to sit back and think, well, man, that's awesome, that's great. How many is encouraged by the fact that 63% of Americans today identify as Christians? How many are encouraged by that? Okay. Well, I'm encouraged by it, but I'm also saddened by it. Because if you go back to 2007, that number was at 78%. So you can see the decline, the rapid, precipitous decline of people who claim to be followers of Christ. Another statistic, 16 to 29% of people today identify as nuns. Now, the number today is 29. In 2007, that number was 16. So in 2007, 16% of the people, now I'm not saying, not the guys, you know, the ladies wearing black and white robes, okay? I'm not talking about that. All you say, what, well, they're nuns? I didn't know there were that many nuns in this world. No, okay. I'm saying this as N-O-N-E-S, okay? Got it? That means people who have absolutely no desire, no connection, no uh, interest whatsoever in anything of their faith, anything of Christianity, anything of religion whatsoever. In 2007, that number was 16%. In 2021, that number is at 29%. Nearly a third of Americans today say, I don't care about this thing called religion. I don't care about this thing called God. Let's keep going. 41% of Christians, okay, that's you, right? So most of the people in this room, I, I, I hope and I pray that all of us in this room would consider ourselves to be followers of Christ. We're Christians. I hope that's true. And in this room, uh, you know, there's thousands of people sitting here. Let me read the statistic about the people in this room. 
Now, I think that probably this number is not ad- uh, accurate here, but in general, 41% of Christians say that the Son of God um, existed before Jesus was born. Now, you're sitting back thinking, like, wait a minute, what do, what do you mean by that? Here's what I mean by that. That 41% of the people who claim to be followers of Christ in our country today actually believe that Jesus has existed from before time began. That means that 59% of Christians today believe that Jesus was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, which he was, but they believe that that's the first time that he existed. In other words, they are saying that they do not believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. That is a a problem. That's trouble. Let's go on. Keep reading. Uh, Today, one in six young adults today identify as LGBTQ. 47% of people today uh, say that they belong to a church, a synagogue, or a mosque. 47% of all Americans say, yeah, I belong to a church. I'm part of a church. I'm part of a synagogue. I'm part of a mosque. You say, well, that number seems a little low. It is low, because this is the first time ever that that number has gone down below 50%. In the year 2000, that number was 74%. And in 22 years, we're down to 47%. Here it is. In 2019, 4,500 Protestant churches, churches that preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, preach the Word of God, 4,500 Protestant churches in 2019 closed their doors. Another statistic, 30% of the unchurched people in our culture, in our, in our country today, 30% say that a Christian has shared the gospel with them. What that means, if you do the math, is that means 70% say, no, no Christians ever share the gospel with me. Now, let me ask you a question. When we read through this list of t- statistics that show like just the, the, the trouble that our country is in, the trouble that America's in. By the way, these numbers would, would, would cross right over into any other country. I'm just talking about, you know, we're here in America. We're talking about America today uh, as far as the, this context of these st- uh, statistics. That means this. When you look at that list of all the things that are going wrong in our country, and then you get down to that bottom one that says 70% of people who are not Christians say that no one has ever shared the gospel with them. Let me ask you, do you think you can draw a line between the problems in our country and the lack of the gospel proclamation in our country? I want to ask that question again. Do you think you can draw a line between the problems in our country and the lack of gospel proclamation in our country? Yes? Absolutely you can. When you look at our culture, you look at the world that we're in, there is no question, there's no doubt that our country today is in trouble. It's a problem. There are problems that are happening today that that are out of control. And here's what I will say to you. It is not because Washington is messed up. It's because the church is messed up. And I believe that with all my heart. Democrats, Republicans, man, we love to throw the blame at politicians and say it's their fault. It's his fault. It's her fault. Here's what I want to do. It's our fault. Because if only 30% of people today who are not Christians have heard the gospel from people like you and me, that means we are not doing our job. Furthermore, what it means is that we have been disobedient to the God that we say we love. This morning, we have sung four songs, worship songs that are powerful songs about who God is and what God has done, about the power of the gospel. We've sung four this morning, and I watched from the baptistry as many of you were singing. Man, and you were into it. Man, there were people singing their hearts out. They were raising their hands. Man, they were all in. 
And here's what I would say to you. That God that we were worshiping today is the God who told each and every one of us, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all the nations and go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He did not give us, give us that statement as an option. He gave it to us as a command. And here's what I would say. We have been disobedient to the command of God. And then we sit back and we wonder why our country's in trouble. And we love to blame it on the politicians. Yes, they're an easy target. And yes, they bring a lot of it on themselves. I get it. I understand that. But man, if we want to change our culture, if we want to change our country, yes, vote. But man, more important than that, preach the gospel. Let people know who Jesus is. Let them know what Jesus has done for them. Another Harvard study said that somewhere between 50 and 68 percent of Americans today feel lonely and unloved. Nearly two-thirds, and maybe over two-thirds of Americans feel lonely and unloved. And here's what I'm telling you, they are loved because the Bible tells us, for God so loved the what? So if God so loved the world, then guess what? Every person in the world is loved. Here's the problem. We have not done our job in telling them. Does that make sense? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Let me read this passage, beginning with verse 1. It says, therefore, by the way, this is to you and me. Therefore, <clears throat> let me just say this. So understand, like when, when this passage was written, take it as the assumption of is that this was written by God like yesterday, and that yesterday that he, you know, sent an email to the church here in Lynchburg, Thomas wrote, and he sent it to us, and he said, hey, Jonathan, do me a favor tomorrow and tell them what I want them to hear tomorrow. Let's take it from that context. Verse 1, therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. And walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and a fragrant offering to God. But sexual immorality and impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you, as is proper for saints, obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks for know and recognize this, every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Goes on to say, verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners, for you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible, for what makes everything visible is light. Therefore, it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Pay careful attention, then, to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. Now, I read those 16 verses today. I read them from uh, the Christian Standard Bible. 
And as we read through, as we kind of walk through, I'm going to kind of use some different phrases, different, uh, different translations of that as we walk through this passage today to give us an understanding, because I do not want anyone in this room to walk out of here today and not have a very clear and a very, like, deep understanding of what God wants us to hear. And the first thing we see in this passage we must understand is this, is that we have a calling of God to look like Him. We have a a calling of God, a command of God to look like Him. We go back to this verse, verse 1, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Did you catch that? Be imitators of God. Now what does the word imitate mean? It means to just act just like them, right? I've got four kids. I remember when my kids were little. And then my boys specifically, man, they loved, when they were little children, they loved to imitate me. They loved to do things that I did. Man, they loved to drink, get, buy shirts that all matched, right? I remember back in Thanksgiving, you know, years ago, we got a picture where I'm standing there, my boys are standing there, and we got three shirts, and they're all the exact same kind of shirts. Sherry got them at Gap, and my boys were so happy because they looked just like me. Nicholas here, you know, Jonathan here, but man, they looked just like their dad because they wanted to imitate me. Now, in 2022, if I went out and bought three shirts that match and said, boys, let's wear these, they would shoot me. <laughs> because they don't want to have anything to do with that now, right? But man, then they wanted to imitate their dad. Let me just tell you what God is telling you. Imitate your dad. Imitate your father who is in heaven. How do we do that? Man, by living differently than the world, Right? Making sure that we understand that we look just like Him, which means this, that when the world looks at us, they see something radically different than it is in the world. And I've just got this sneaking suspicion, and I'm concerned about the fact that today, when the culture looks at us as followers of Christ, what they see is really not that much different than what they see in the world. Because, man, we love to look like the world. Here's what we do. We love to look like the world by still holding on to the promise of heaven. Man, I'm going to spend eternity with heaven, in heaven with Christ. Man, I'm going to be there for all of eternity. God loves me and He saved me. And I believe that Jesus is God's Son, that He died and that He rose again and He did it just for me. Now I'm going to go live like the world. And we wonder why the world's in trouble. It's in trouble because we're not looking like our Father. We're not looking like God. He said, be imitators of God as dear children. In other words, wear the shirt. Like, like put on the clothing of righteousness just like God does. Like make sure that every single day that when people look at you, they see something that is like not only like radically different, but they look at you and they see something that's radically weird. Like we are called to be weird. Now I know some of you are saying, well, yeah, I got that down, right? I understand. Like, I'm not saying like weird from the context and definition of the culture. I'm talking about weird in the sense that we're not living like them, we're not looking like them because we look like God. Man, my passion, my heart is this, is we'll get to the point where looking like God will not be weird anymore. In fact, looking like the world would be weird. That's what we're called to do. So we have to look like Him. The second thing this passage tells us is we have to love like Him. So we got to look like Him, we got to love like Him. Look what it says in verse 2, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. In other words, to smell like God. Think, wait a minute, I don't know what God smells like. Yeah, you do. 
If you pick up his word and you read it, yeah, you absolutely know what God smells like. And here's what he smells like. He smells like something that is a sweet smelling aroma that comes and flows from righteousness and holiness and living in the right way and doing the right things. And that's what it smells like. Because I got to be honest with you, I think we know what the world smells like. Man, I know what the world smells like. We've got to make sure we understand we have to love like Him. How do we love like Him? Is we have to understand that when we stand up and when we speak out truth, that we do it in love. In other words, that is not permission to attack people who disagree with us. Now, I've told you before, and I've told you like over and over again, it drives me crazy when I see Christians attacking other people online, on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that, when we're attacking people who disagree with us, attacking people who don't believe and feel the same way that we do, and we attack them, and we try to beat them over the head because we're trying to win an argument. I care less about winning an argument. I care more about winning them with the gospel. And we have to recognize and understand that we have a duty to love like Christ. How do we love like Him? Man, it's easy. Go read the Gospels. What did Jesus do? Did you ever see, by the way, did you ever see Jesus walk up to somebody in the Scriptures, like when someone, He was doing the wrong thing, and Jesus walked up to Him and said, dude, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, come on, man, get your act together. You're wrong. You're wrong. No, He didn't do that. He would go to the people who lived a completely other way than what he was trying, and he loved them, and he shared truth with them. In fact, it's kind of interesting. The only people he really attacked were the religious leaders. Remember? Brood of vipers? Remember? Turning over the tables in the temple? In other words, the only people that he really attacked were the ones who should have known better. So, man, stop attacking people. Stop beating people over the head with a baseball bat online. Well, like, certainly, like in reality, don't do that. But even online, don't beat people over the head and say, man, you're a loser and you're wrong and I'm right. And man, you, you don't deserve to live. I mean, all this stuff, it's so stupid and it's so crazy. And here's what it does. It absolutely pushes them away from Christ, which is the exact opposite of what God has put us here for. So we have to look like Him, we have to love like Him, and the only way we can look like Him and love like Him is the third thing, and that's to live like Him. So look what it says in this passage, verses 3 and 4. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. In other words, live differently than the world. That's, that's what it very clearly tells us. Like, like, don't live like them. Man, you can turn on any television show, you can go to read any book, you can watch anything online, and you can see, like, the culture is like a picture of that list of things that I just read, right? Of filthiness and immorality and coarse justice, like all that stuff is like, that is what the world is. And what God is saying, don't let that even be named among you. That's why as a follower of Jesus Christ, Bad language should not be in your vocabulary. Man, it drives me nuts when I hear a Christian cuss. It does. Is it going to send them to hell? No. But boy, it sure makes them look like it. Don't live like that. Don't talk like that. Don't go to the places that they go. Don't live in, in, in the kind of, of things that the world has. Because when you do, what you automatically do is you disqualify yourself from being weird. And we as Christians need to be weird. We need to be the ones that the world looks at and says, like, there's something different about them. 
And I promise you this, is if the world looks at you and looks at us and says, yeah, there's something different about them, and we're also looking like him and loving like him and living like him, I promise you this is what's going to happen. The world's going to be attracted to it. Yes, we're weird. Yes, we're different. Yes, we don't look like them. And the world's going to say, dude, what's up with them? Because I, I like what I see. So we have to look like God. We have to love like God. We have to live like God. But then also this passage tells us we have to walk like God. Look what it says in verse 6. It says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. In other words, even people who claim to be followers of Christ will distort the truth for their own purposes, and we've seen that a thousand times. We've seen that happen in the church. We've seen it happen on, you know, Christian television. We've seen that happen in books. We've seen that happen over and over and over again. And what this pastor said, like, don't, don't even walk with them. Like, like, like be able to notice. And here's, I promise you this, the only way you're going to be able to recognize it is not that you're sitting in a church. The only way you're really, truly going to be able to recognize it is if you're spending time in God's Word. Because when you expose yourself to truth, you will very quickly recognize false truth. You'll very quickly recognize what does not match up and what does not line up with God's Word. And that way, if you would be very literate in the Scriptures, literate in your walk with God, here's what's going to happen. When you hear something that doesn't quite sound right, you'll know it right off the bat. No one will have to tell you. And you will not be deceived. And you will not head off down the wrong path. We live in a world today where we're constantly, the, the attack is on. They're trying to deceive us. I'm telling you, they're trying to, to get us to believe that up is down and down is up and right is wrong and wrong is right. Like, like that is what we're constantly being bombarded with. Like the, 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 there is no truth. We, we've come into a world today where the definitions of truth and the ideas of truth are something that have been completely and radically upended. Like that everything that we knew to be true before, like today, like that's not true anymore. Now, all that's really recognized is what's your truth? Like my truth and your truth and her truth and his truth? Let me just tell you something. It doesn't matter what your truth is. It doesn't matter what your truth is. It doesn't matter what his truth is or her truth. All that matters is what is truth. And the only truth that there is comes directly from, it flows from the, the creator of truth, the father of truth, and that is God who created all that there is. He created truth, and it has never changed. As I've said over and over again here from this stage, truth is truth, and it will never cease to be truth. And we live in a time today, we live in a world today where constantly we're being told, oh, no, no, no that's not true anymore. Well, like you can just define your own truth. I know this, when I got up this morning because of daylight savings time, like falling back, which by the way, love it, right? Falling back today, when I got up this morning, I noticed it was really cool, the sun was up. You know, it was really cool. And I know that tonight, because of that, like, like about, you know, 5.15, the sun's going to go down, right? And it's going to get dark. And I know that's going to happen. Like, I don't have to think about it, wonder, like, I wonder if the sun is going to go down today. I know it's going to go down today. And in fact, you can go on your phone right now, and you can go to the weather app, and the weather app will tell you at exactly the same minute that the sun will go down. That's truth. Now, if I woke up this morning, and before I looked outside, I decided, you know what? The sun did not come up today, and that is my truth. 
I can say that's my truth all day long, but here's what I know. As soon as the curtains are open, as soon as the doors open, guess what I'm going to find? That sun, it came up, and there's nothing I can do to change it because the sun always comes up, and the sun always goes down, and it doesn't matter what my truth is. That will not change. The same thing is true of God's Word. And the same thing is true of the things that we knew to be true that the world today, no, it's not true anymore. We've got to recognize and understand that we have to walk like Him and not be deceived by this world, not be deceived by what we know, that they're out there trying to change our direction, change, change our, our thought process. And that's why it's so important that we vote. Man, I know that today there are some pastors up today that will get up and preach messages. And, and honestly, if you sat back and you listen to their messages, probably you wouldn't hear much about the gospel. What you would hear a lot about is voting. And I get that. I understand that. Um, and I know that some pastors today will get up and they won't say a word about elections. They won't say a word about voting because they'll feel like that's not the, the right thing that we should do as Christians. Here's what I tell you. Like, hey, the gospel is the most important thing. The word of God is the most important. We've got to preach truth. We've got to preach the gospel. But you've got to vote. Because if not, we may find ourselves in a country like Matt talked about a little while ago, a country that one day where the ability for us to get together in a room like this and to proclaim the name of Christ and to sing those songs that we've sung and read the Word of God and to preach the God, like we will not be allowed to do that and make no mistake, that is the end game. That's what is desired of the people who don't care about this book that we hold in our hands. So yes, you got to vote. you got to vote for people who line up with biblical values. Now, I have to, I'll never tell you how to vote. I'll never tell you who to vote for. But boy, I will tell you to vote. And I will tell you, you make sure that you vote. When you vote for people, you make sure you vote for the person, maybe not be the most popular or the most good looking or, or whatever. Vote for the person that lines up with truth. And if they don't line up with truth, if they don't line up with what's right for our country and what's right moving forward as followers of Christ and the people that we, as we love this country and we want to see this country continue as it was intended to be, then make sure those are the people you vote for and don't vote for anybody who has any other ideas to redefine truth. Don't vote for them. Now, I know some people say, I can't believe he said that. I said it. Vote for the people who stand for truth. Walk like Him. And the last one is this, because the time is now. Look what it says in verses 14 through 16. Therefore, He says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly or carefully, like deliberately, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. In the New Living Translation, it says it this way, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. In other words, don't live like the world, live like God. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Our culture today has entered a season where it is a full frontal attack on everything that we hold dear. A full frontal attack on everything that we hold dear as it relates to the Word of God and the Gospel. I'm telling you, make no mistake, we live in a culture, we live in a world that is coming after what we believe. And the end game, the ultimate game, is to shut down this whole idea that we can stand up and preach truth. Now, if you want to stand up and preach, man, you're going to have a great life and things are good, man. God loves you and it's all happy and everything's going to be great. Man, you just keep walking with God. Everything's going to be great. If you want to preach that stuff, you can do that all day long and they don't care. But the minute, 
The minute that you make the declaration that Jesus did, that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him, is the moment they want to shut you down and shut you up. And we have to recognize and understand the world is evil, and we are heading down a path that they are going to come after us, and they want to shut us down, and they want to stop us from doing what we do, and they want to keep us from preaching out of this book. They want to make sure that we understand you can't talk about Jesus anymore. And here's what I'll tell you, the days are evil. So walk carefully right now, walk deliberately right now, because we do not have much time to protect what God has called us to do. 30% of unbelievers today say that someone shared the gospel with them. I pray, I pray that that statistic one day will get to the place where it says 100% of unbelievers say that some Christian bugged me and shared the gospel with me. Why? Because that's what God has told us to do. And it's the only way that we can save America and change the world. It's through the gospel. The fact that Jesus loves and that he died and that he was buried and that he rose again. And only when you believe in him and him alone, period, exclamation point, alone, him alone, only then will you recognize what Romans chapter 10 verse 13 tells us, that anyone who calls on his name will be saved. Let's pray. God, today we thank you for your love. We thank you for your example. We thank you for truth. God, we live in a time where truth is under attack, where you are under attack, and therefore we are. And God, I pray that we will be deliberate, that we will be focused, that we will be intentional, that we will make sure that in everything that we do, God, that we are representing you, that we're looking like you, that we're loving like you, that we're living like you, that we're walking like you, because time is running out. So God, help us to be committed. And God, for that, we'll give you the praise, because God, we can't do it without you. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, our team is gathered here at the front. And because I've gone way long today, we're gonna do this a little bit differently. Our team is gonna gather, and they're gonna gather right over here to my left, your right. And they're going to be here right after the service. And when the service is over, I want to challenge you that if you need to come down and say, listen, I want to hear about Jesus. And I want you to know, if you're here today and you've never believed that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died and that He rose again for you, and that it's in Him and Him alone that you find your salvation, here's what I want you to know. This is very real, and it might be offensive and it might hurt your feelings, but here's what I want to tell you. If you've never done that, then according to God's Word, which is truth, God's Word says this, that you will spend eternity in a very real place called hell, not because God doesn't love you and not because God is sending you there, but because you have rejected Christ. But the good, no, good news is this, is that all we must do is believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He did die on the cross for our sins, that He was buried, and that He rose again, and that anyone, and that means you, Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Today, you can turn that upside down. And while without Christ, we spend a real, eternity, a real eternity in a real place called hell, that because of Christ, we can spend a real eternity in a real place called heaven that John chapter 14 talks about, that Revelation chapter 21 celebrates. And it's a place that was created just for you. And all you've got to do is believe. 
And so today, if you don't know for sure, I want as soon as the service is over for you to come down to the front and to talk with one of the men and women that are gathered here. They would love nothing more than to share that truth with you. If you're here and you want to come and kneel at this altar, the altar will be open as, a, as an altar of prayer. If you want to come and join our church family or come for baptism, they're here. We'd love to talk with you. Like, like make sure you understand your job, your calling, and the only way you can truly be obedient to God is if we do exactly what He tells us to do. And here's what He said. Be imitators of God. Look like Him. Love like Him. Live like Him. Walk like Him. Because time is running out. God, today I pray for every person here, every person watching or listening. Give them strength. Give them wisdom. Give them passion. Give them courage to be all that you've called them to be. And if there is someone here today that doesn't know you, God, I pray that in this moment today, you will draw them to you, that you'll help them to walk down and to talk with one of us here at the front and say, listen, I want to know about Jesus. God, I pray that you'll do that in their hearts right now because it matters. God, if there's someone here today that's not been looking like you and living like you and walking like you, God, I pray that today you will turn them around, they'll turn their course completely, a 180, change their path. God, if there's someone here today that's not been loving like you, they've been attacking others, God, I pray that today you change their personality, that you change their temperament, that you would turn them back to loving like you. God, I pray that this would be the day that you do a great work in us all. And God, for that, we give you the praise. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you leave, the altar is open. Make sure you pick up one of the OCC boxes as you leave today. If you want to talk about Israel, you can go right up to the choir loft, right upstairs, right up door. God bless you. Go look like Christ. Have a great day. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this journey of faith in Jesus Christ. So send us an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, well, we're here to help you. So just reach out to us. We'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. And if you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, then go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of God's love.